Matthew chapter 6. We're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is dealing with uh, the multitudes. He's dealing with his disciples as well. Just to get to hear Jesus speak must have been an incredible thing. God speaking to you in the flesh. And they didn't understand all of it, but they knew he was amazing. And he's gone up on the mountainside, and he's began to speak. And his disciples, he's called them to him, and he's going to teach them about his kingdom. Of course, the multitudes followed him up the mountain too, and along with the religious leaders. So let's stand this morning. I know it's, you just sat down, but I want to honor the word of God and thank the Lord. All these words in red, starting in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You want to join with me the last verse here? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, guide us into your word this morning. We know this is a spiritual act of worship, Lord, as well. Draw us to you, Lord. Teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We've come to meet with you, God, our God in heaven, and we thank you for the chance to do that. Bless us today in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as this is the subject of prayer... I just want you to know that uh, I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to bring guilt upon you for your lack of prayer. <laughs> I know that I could probably ask all of us in this place a few questions, um, you know, that if any, does anybody here feel like they pray too much, or uh, how many of us would say that we're satisfied with our prayer life? Uh, you know, how many of us would say that we're convi uh, convicted when the subject of prayer comes up? we'd all probably have the same answer. Just something about prayer. So I'm not even going to go there today. So just rest. Just relax. It's not going to be about torturing you over, you know, your lack of obedience to be with God. I just want to let, let the Lord teach us a little bit about prayer today. Uh, we can learn from Him. As you think about it, Jesus has been on both sides of the prayer thing. We see Him here in His humanity seeking God, waiting on God, taking time to be with God in the human form. He prayed a lot. But we know that he has come from God. He was with God in heaven. He knows what the prayers sound like from men when they come to him and seek him and pray. So we have somebody who has both sides of the understanding of prayer and we get to glean from him and learn about what God desires for us when we come and meet with him in prayer. It's very valuable to have somebody like a master teach you something. I was watching, uh, got a chance to watch or go to the AT&T National Pebble Beach thing, uh, Pro-Am. Never been there before, never watched pros play uh, golf before, so it was a, quite an experience. But on the 17th green, when you come through the 17th green, uh, you know, the amateurs are playing and the pros are playing. And then the amateurs, whoever the amateurs are playing, they hit their tee shots from the white tees way up front. And uh, they film them and then they come and they sit down in an analyst booth. And when they sit in the analyst booth, um, these guys who are just masters at the game of golf, which is so technical and, you know, amazingly hard. But uh, these guys really, these amateurs, they're really into it. They're really wanting to, they think they're kind of like a pro. 
You know, it's like, oh, I think I'm pretty good, you know. And then they get to play with these pros. So they're demoralized by the time they reach 17th green. And then, then they know they're getting filmed, and then they step up. And when they step up, there's, you know, um, Faldo, Nick Faldo is there, and, you know, Peter Costas, and, you know, just some of these great uh, players and, and swing analysts. And then they film their swing, and then those guys have to turn around, and they watch their swing, and they just go, oh, that's what I look like when I swing. And they, they, their eyes just pick up because they're masters of the golf swing. And Peter Costas will give you his analysis. And, you know, in about two minutes, they've just dissected your entire swing and given you five things that if you would correct, you, you probably would be, uh, you know, lower your golf game tremendously. And you just go, how do they do that? Because they're masters of that, aren't they? It's, it's the same thing with anybody that you would... Uh, you know, go, if it was John Wooden and you were trying to figure out how to do a jump shot or whatever it is, we get Jesus to teach us how to pray. You want to get good at it? You want to know the secrets that the Lord gives them here? So let's take a look at him this morning. Verse 5, it says, when you pray, well, the assumption is that we're going to pray, isn't it? Prayer, as we look at the subject of prayer, it's just technically, it's the attempt to communicate with a spiritual power. That's what prayer is. Prayer is, in, in a human form, we kneel down. No, whatever, no matter who you're praying to, what you're praying to, it's an attempt by a human being to reach something in the spiritual realm, isn't it? So there's an assumption that there's something out there that could be reached. And prayer takes place all over the world, doesn't it? Most of the world attempts this at least sometime in their life. Hardly anybody goes through their whole life without calling out to God, whether they're sure that he's there or not, but they have a sense that there's something beyond them in the spiritual realm. And so prayer, um, excuse me for that, thundering today. Prayer is a privilege that we get a chance to talk with God. We get, a, we get the privilege, don't we, to come. Now, prayer, uh, with the understanding that God is there, is a great opportunity. You could touch something higher than you, greater than you, beyond the physical realm, but into the spiritual realm. So he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? Again, I, I said in the Sermon on the Mount here that Jesus has a lot of people there, and there's a whole group of people that have also followed him up the mountain, and, and you know, uh, he's going to address them all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. They, they are the religious leaders. And so um, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, that's a general term to be hypocritical, but he's really uh, addressing the spiritual leaders of Israel. They are supposed to teach the people how to have communion and fellowship with God, but their relationship with God, they weren't even interested in connecting spiritually with God. They just had a religious system going on. Now, that's, that's the danger with religion. What are you doing in your religious system? If it isn't to connect and have relationship with, with the living God, then what a waste of time your religi uh, religiosity is. And Jesus is saying, don't be like them. Don't be like these religious leaders. In fact, he said earlier in Matthew chapter 5, he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is speaking as a mediator between God. He's saying that he has access to God and he is ushering in the kingdom of God and that people that come after him are going to be linked with God. That's the whole purpose of why he came. Now, he's saying there that this group here is not getting you to God. They're missing the link. You're going to follow them, these hypocrites. You're not going to get there. And he explains it, as he says here, and how not to pray. So he gives a couple of things not to pray here. And he says, don't, don't be like them because their desire is to be seen by men, in verse 5, isn't it? That's their desire, when they, when they would stand and pray, these Pharisees, their desire was to be seen by men. They were hypocritical. They loved to be seen, and they loved to be accepted by their prayers. Now, 
it's hard for us to, to understand that because we don't usually see that in our society. But in their society, the Pharisees, they would just go out on the street corner and they would start praying. Now, it wasn't like they were calling everyone together. Let's have a corporate prayer, you guys. Let's talk to God and get with him. And, no. It was just a time that they could stand up and they could speak personally to God, whatever they wanted to say, but so everyone could hear him. And it was usually very proud and very boastful. I thank God I'm not a, you know, a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. And, you know, it's, he's, they, they kind of just throw out these things. I'm, thinking, I'm not like other men, like tax collectors. And God, I thank you that, you know, I'm holy. And so all of that type of prayer. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't be like that. Prayer is designed to reach God. That's what prayer is designed to do. It's not, it's not ever meant to reach man. So any time that we're praying, if, if we're conscious of somebody else, and this is, happens when we're in corporate prayer sometimes, is that if we're so conscious about everybody that's around us here, we've lost focus that we're supposed to be talking to him. It doesn't really matter what happens with men. And so the, one of the amazing things about prayer as a Christian is that we have the opportunity to bypass man. We, we can, we can, we, we have a, a way that we can get past man and we can get up into the presence of God and speak with the one who's made man. And that's, that's valuable. Logically, if we think about it, if our prayer does not reach God, then we're not going to get an answer, are we? So what's the point? These hypocrites, as they were praying, they were, they were thinking about how people saw them and how people saw them before God. So their prayers were empty. It was nothing. It was, and he says, you've got your reward already. If men were impressed by you, you got all that you're going to get because that's all you reached. You could have reached God, but you were just interested in reaching man, so man would be impressed by you. It's empty, isn't it? But what does the Lord say? This is a, the danger that we have, again, um, when we pray in, in groups. But he says in verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room. Now, um, he says, listen, you, you don't need to be out there on the street. If you're going to talk with God, go and find a place that is personal and private to pray. Now, God is not against corporate prayer. In fact, he's not even addressing corporate prayer. Like when we gather together, like we did here half an hour before the service, uh, to gather and pray and seek the Lord. Um, he's not against that at all. Um, he's for that. He's not speaking against it. But he's making a statement against um, 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 speaking publicly in a personal way. If I go out in public and I start praying to God in a personal way, what am I doing out there? There's not a purpose for being out there. But he says, prayer is most effective when we find a quiet place. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a place? Do you have a quiet place? Literally. Do you know where your place is in your house? you have a place? A place that you like to, when you, you say, you know, I need to be alone with God. If you don't have one, you're probably not there very often. Or, you know, you, maybe you just pray wherever you stand. But the Lord's saying, no, no, you need to draw away, get away from man, and come and be with me. That's where prayer becomes really powerful because now I don't have to worry about anybody else hearing or seeing or affected and it's just me with the Lord. Personal prayer is to be done in private, <clears throat> intimate, and prayers prayed uh, again to an unseen God we see here. He's the God who's in secret and he rewards you uh, as you approach him in secret. He's going to reward you publicly, isn't he? And so the idea is to get with him um, uh, privately to make the requests that we have for him and then publicly in our life we'll see the fruits of that private secret time with the Lord in prayer. The Bible says that God is a spirit. We have to, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. None of us here can see God right now. Not in the physical. We're here in faith, aren't we? That he's really there. And we've come to worship him, to acknowledge him, to love him, to yield to him. That's why we came today. 
if you came for another reason, you're, you're missing the fullness of that. Maybe you're seeking to know if God is there and that you could commune with him and talk with him, that he cares about you. But that's the whole idea of prayer, and he does this, uh, um, and he blesses us publicly. So then the second thing he says don't do is don't, don't do this for men. You have to do this privately unto the Lord. And in verse 7 he says, do not pray with vain repetition like the heathen do. Really, this means if you take the NIV translation, it says don't, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. I like babble because it's really more of what the word means. It's like gibberish because if you just pray with this just open repetition, a chant, a mantra, um, you're not understanding what prayer is about. You've missed the concept of prayer. Um, it's like going... Now, how's God going to be blessed by that? What blessing is there from the Lord uh, with, when, we, when we use this vain repetition um, and we're just babbling things uh, out into space? Um, this, these are the heathens. So now he's talked about the, the religious leaders and what they've seen there, but they've also seen a lot of pagans go to the temple and they, and they, and they do their things, right? And <clears throat> they rock and they... Um, uh, you know, say all these things and they say these chants and all these things uh, over and over and over. Well, they're making the same mistake that the um, hypocrites do when they pray. You're praying without consideration of who you're praying to. So prayer can be a really wasted time if it's not done right. Because who am I reaching? And if I'm just saying something over and over and over, who do I think is really listening because who wants to listen to something like that over and over and over and over and just hoping that it gets through? Did you know that a lot of the world prays? <clears throat> and their concept of the one they're praying to, they don't even believe he's personal. Much of the world prays to a force. The Hindus, that's who they pray to. The Buddhists, the Taoists, uh, uh, so many religious uh, faiths of the East. God isn't even personal. It's a force. He's good and evil, and you just throw stuff up there, and you try to get caught up into it. And the Bible says it's a waste. You're just babbling on, and so you just keep speaking over and over and over. The Jews do this today. If you go to the Wailing Wall and you watch them with the Wailing Wall, they have their prayers, they, they, they read their same things, they get it with their phylacteries and they, and they repeat them over and over and over and they, and they do this at the wall and they do this and they stand there and they feel like they're so pious and there's so powerful things are happening with God. What, what are you doing? Is he hearing you? How many times do you need to say that to him over and over? Does he understand? Can he hear? really matters how we see the God that we're praying to or who he really is. Catholics do the same thing with rosaries and penitent prayers. And, you know, we say things over and over and over and over and repeat things. What are we doing? Of course, we're praying to not even to God. We're praying sometimes to Mary. So to say, I won't say Hail Mary, but say, Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary, hey, Mary. What if Mary's not there? The Bible says Mary's not there. She's not the one who inter, inter, uh, intercepts prayers. It's not her job. God's never called her to do it. But we're praying that way. We're, we're calling out, and it really means hail, means barrage for me. Do this great thing for me, Mary. Mary's not God. Mary doesn't have the power to do that. She's never been given the authority to do that. So we have all kinds of prayers going up for hours and hours and millions upon billions of prayers. Where are they going? The Bible says this also in Scripture, um, that when we pray, if we're not praying to the true God, if we're praying to idols and false gods, the Bible says you're actually praying to demons. You think you're calling out to God, but there's a demon there that's hearing it. Paul says that in Corinthians. That's where the prayer is going. So how deceptive that is, how useless that is. Factually, it's actually being turned against us, isn't it? 
So he says here, secondly, that why do we keep repeating a prayer uh, you know, over and over? He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need before you ask them. He's, tr- he's trying to say to them, you guys, do you know that God, he, he gets it. He already knows. He, you're praying to a God who's omniscient. He knows everything about you when he comes in. You know, sometimes we do that. We forget that God already knows those things when we pray. I listen to people pray too. And, and you know, I, I try to keep the correct, you know, understanding that I'm just praying to a God who already knows everything about it. I can still go over the things that are going on in my life, but I already know he knows. And uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting sometimes because you'll hear people say, <clears throat> Hi, God. It's me, Tommy. <clears throat> in their mind, they're like going, does God not know who, who you are? He didn't know that you were Tommy? It's Tommy, God. I just want to make sure you do. It's Tommy, you know. Um, I, I, I live in Modesto. And, um, you know, I have, I have two kids and, and, you know, my wife. And you start going over all of the things there. Because, you know, especially as a young believer, you're kind of learning about this relationship. And later on, you go, you know, I was praying like that. He knows my name. I've already come to him and, you know, to Jesus and made him, you know, the Lord of my life. He knows who I am. But um, in prayer, it's like this idea that God doesn't know who you are. And so you have to keep saying it over and over and over. And, 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 you know, if you have a God that's, you know, multiple gods, he could be busy doing other things. He doesn't have the ability to listen to me, right? I just got to keep doing. I'm hoping that he comes by while I'm throwing that out there, right? And then he has some power or strength to answer it. So if you think of the way most of the world prays, it's pretty empty, isn't it? It's pretty hopeless. All prayer is a waste of time if it's not received by the true and living God. It's a waste of time. It never can, and it will not come to fruition, will it? God's, again, a spirit, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth, We have to come to the right God, the true God. We have to know who he is. And we have to have a way to get to him as well. It doesn't impact my life to know that a Muslim is praying for me. It doesn't impact me at all. Or that if they say, a Mormon says, I'm going to pray for you. Or a Hindu or, you know, whoever else is going to pray. An agnostic I know that it's not going anywhere. There's no God at the other end. I know they kind of, I think I drive my wife crazy a little bit sometimes, you know, because I hear people say, you know, I'll pray for you, you know. Oprah will say, you know, we're praying for you. Okay, I'm not picking on Oprah, but who's your God, Oprah? Who are you talking to? You can't even define who your God is. It's just this malaise of whatever that's there. So what, what confidence do I have that, that you even know who he is and that uh, you're going to actually speak to him? In fact, I know better. You, you don't know him, and he's not listening to you. So it really doesn't matter. That's not effective prayer for me. And so people will say, well, I'll be, we'll be praying for you. And I'll say to my wife, who are you praying to? You know, under my breath. Because I'm thinking, you know, you, you don't have a relationship with the living, true God. I, 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 it's nice that you want to take it to whatever God you're talking to, but I know there's, no, there's not going to be anything that happens. Do, does that make sense? It just doesn't. Now, it's not that God isn't listening for a heart that truly seeks after Him. He does. He hears all of those prayers. So every person in every little temple and every little uh, list praying before every little idol and every little statue and every, whatever it is that they're, they're out there looking uh, there for, if there is a heart to truly seek the living God, God's going to hear that prayer. He hears everything. He knows everything. And he's going to start moving to bring them into the truth of who he is so they can have a relationship with him and enter into a whole other realm of prayer. So I believe that. I'm not saying that, that you know, um, God isn't hearing everything in every temple and every false place of, of worship and all of that. Um, but, but he's still seeking those who truly want to have relationship with him. And he's going to bring them to who? To Jesus. Because we can't have prayer. Jesus is speaking here and he says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. 
So there's a lot of prayer that goes on in the wrong manner, in the wrong direction. And it's so nice of Jesus to point us in the right direction, isn't it? Because at this time, everybody there, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. They don't have the full essence of how um, uh, that they're going to come through Christ. It's, that's a part of that revelation. They know he leads them to, to God because that's who the Messiah is and they're worshiping him, the disciples are. But they don't know exactly how they're going to get to God. In fact, they don't even know that he's going back to God. He's going to tell them later, I'm going back to God. I'm leaving you. Don't worry, I'll send the Holy Spirit back there. But I'm going back to my Father in heaven. And then, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to get you and bring you back. So they still were getting all of those things. But they knew this guy links us to God. Because when this guy speaks, God's listening and God's moving. And uh, so that's how they're approaching him. So he says, well, well, how do we pray then? Well, therefore, in this manner, therefore pray. This is not the Lord's prayer in the sense that the Lord has praised this for himself. He's teaching us how to come to God and to pray to him. Robert Cook um, by the way, this is, can sometimes be a little prayer that we pray over and over. You know, you all know it, right? Our Father, child in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know, right? Lead us not into temptation. Excuse me, I forgot that. But you, you do it over and over and over. It's not meant to be repetitive. He just got done saying that, didn't he? It's not something I use as a formula. It's a pattern. It links me to the essentials of what prayer is. And it can be used just like that as a pattern, can't it? So, Robert Cook uh, said this. He says, all of us have one routine prayer in our system. And once we get rid of it, then we can really start praying. That's pretty interesting. You got to get past that routine thing with God. You just okay, God, it's the same thing you kind of always you know, start with and you got to jog past that and go, wait a minute, no, I'm talking to the living God. We, we need to get, you know, this needs to be get real and personal, not, not routine. So he says, our Father in heaven. Boy, I like that. Of all the things to know when I go to prayer, that's the greatest thing I could ever know. You mean to tell me that there's a Father in heaven? He's not just some omnipotent being that is out there in space in this huge form and with this power coursing, you know, through his veins and, you know, for the galaxies and all of that. You mean he's a father in heaven? Jesus spoke about his father, about relationship. God is personal. Prayer cannot be uh, effective unless we know that person and it's a vertical relationship. God is to be addressed as our Father. That's very interesting. Now, he can be called God in the sense that we know that he's our Father as well, but we can call him Father. That's very personal. You think of a father, and you think of how you would approach a father. Now, some of us don't have healthy relationships with our Father, but we can all think of what a wonderful father is like. Jesus is a good example, you know, of godliness, and we think of in the Bible, we see the pictures of that. But we look at that and we say, well, what if prayer was like this? What if you were able to come just like a son or a daughter would come to the father? In fact, the Bible says that we... Um, in Romans 8, 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus used the same phrase with the heavenly Father, Abba, Father. Abba's Aramaic, and it, it really kind of, again, like it sounds, Abba, 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 Abba. It's a reference to like a little baby when they first learned to call out to Dada, Dada. And it has that same sense to it. It signifies unreasoning trust, which means I don't fully know Dada, but I trust Dada. And here I am, Google Gaga with you guys this morning. But, but that's what Jesus is saying is that, listen, through me, you're going to come into a personal relationship with my father. He's going to be your father. 
You're spiritually going to be adopted into a family, and now God's your father. That's a lot different when you pray to a father in heaven. And we look and we picture him in that way. You could say, you know, Dad, can I talk to you? Father, Father God, can I talk to you? You know, um, some people use Papa, you know. Um, I, I need some advice. Uh, God, can I, can, I just, can I just bear my heart to you? It's personal like that, isn't it? Can I, can I ask, you know, God, can I, can I ask a favor of you? Sons like to do that with dad. Dad, can I ask you a favor? Great son. Love to, I love the communication. I mean, I'm at this time in my life where my son's 20 years old. I just like it when he talks to me. You know, just to spend some time and he approaches me. But to think of this, that we have a father and um, we have a father that's in heaven as well. He's a father beyond everything else and, um, and he's in heaven and so when I think of the Father, even though that God is with us, I, I know that He's transcendent. He's beyond everything that is. And I have a Father that's beyond everything that is. And that leads us into hallowed be thy name, doesn't it? Hallowed be your name. That's what that means. It means blessed, revered, respected. Yeah, He's my Papa. But He's my God. And He's awesome. And when I come into prayer, I, it's personal. And, and I've been invited to come in. And he lets me come into his holy, the holy of holies. And I have the most awesome God who's so great and powerful. And whatever I've come in thinking in my mind, by the time I've spoken to him as my father, and I begin to say, I hallow your name, I, I begin to, prayer begins to change, doesn't it? Because now, my little things start getting small and my God is great and mighty and I remember who he is and he's beyond everything and that he knows me and he wants a relationship with me like a son and he's welcomed me to come in and now I get to have access to the one who rules it all. Just everything is in his hand and we get to talk. He wants me to talk to him. Hallowed be your name. That's amazing to me. Maker and sustainer of everything. But then he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Well, we, we know that he's personal. We know that he's great. He's our God. But there's something that we have to remember when we come into prayer. And that he's also our master and he's our king. See, this is a physical world that we live in. But there's someone who rules over it. It's not just drifting along, heading nowhere. It's, it's, it's centering back to the king, and of course to Jesus who will be the king of kings and lord of lords. And Jesus is talking about his kingdom, and the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom is coming, isn't it? And when I come into prayer, I have to focus and remember that, hey, it isn't about my kingdom, because I don't really have a kingdom. I'm not going to rule this world. I just have my little, you know, dog and pony show that's my life, right? But I'm linked up with the one who rules all of the nations. He's going to be over all the nations. He's going to take dominion over the entire world. All men will go and be accountable before the living God, the Father in heaven. They're going to give account for their life for eternal purposes. And that's the God that I'm coming to. He's, it's his kingdom, Boy, it helps me just sort out all the things I'm going to do today that are about my kingdom. Who cares about your kingdom? Our kingdoms are nothing. We don't even have a kingdom. But we know the king, don't we? And I get to be a part of his kingdom. And I start thinking about how can I be a part of your kingdom? I want to advance your kingdom. I'm, I'm in your kingdom. And so, Lord, show me what to do in your kingdom. And prayer begins to change, doesn't it? My things begin to be scooted aside. But the most important part, probably, I mean, I, they're all important, but this is the greatest part of it here, is your will be done. Because now we're fully into it. He's God, I'm the, I'm the little creation that's come, and he's let me come and have relationship with him. we got things in really good order now. He's the Father in heaven. He's hallowed be his name. It's about his kingdom. We're in a good place in prayer now, aren't we? It's a great place to be in prayer. And now it's, it's about your will be done. 
if this relationship's going to do well, my will has to move, and his gets to have the perfect place. And prayer is where you do that. There is no better place on earth to recognize that your will has to move for whatever you're praying about. Jesus, he's, it's a famous line. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Daddy, he's calling out. Jesus is. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, his humanity was crying out. God, this is what I want. Take this from me. can't bear this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I don't think anybody can bring anything greater than Jesus brought on that day. The cup of the sufferings of the world, of the sins of the world, he was bearing upon him in the garden. But nevertheless, it's about your will, your kingdom. Move my will out of the way. Prayer becomes effective when we do that, doesn't it? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to read a verse with you. Sometimes, you know, you get into a study and, you know, it just opens up another verse and it really gives you the insight uh, of it. And this 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. He said, now, almost to the back, almost to Revelation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now there's a powerful, that's a powerful verse. And the key is, it's just like in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, when it says, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And as we do that, then we're able to walk into, we've set our lives aside unto his life, and I'm focused totally on what he wants, what his purpose for me is. Then what happens is, then you can see and know his perfect will his perfect and pleasing will that is the power that's something only prayer can do if you want to know what to do you have to seek God and ask him what to do if you want to know where your life is to go you have to seek him and find out what his will is for your life otherwise you're wasting time just trying out whatever seek him wait on him Listen to him. Maybe he gives you one little step, but do that one little step. But if you can pray and say, God, I want what your will is. Show me your will. Teach me your will. Teach me your ways. Your prayer will be effective and powerful. Why? Because you don't waste time. The Bible says we, a lot of times we, we pray, but we don't get what we pray for because we ask amiss. Because we want to consume it with our own lusts and our own desires. If you can weed out all those prayers that are just about you, and about, you know, your kingdom and your things and your pleasures and all of that. If you can weed out those things and say, you know, God, I would be great, but I want first what's your will in your, in your, in your kingdom. And, and that's what I'm coming here for. I want, I want the other stuff to get out of the way. And I need to know what you need me to do, where, where you're going with this. And then he starts speaking. Some of us say, well, God hasn't been speaking to me. Yeah, because you're not asking him. You're not asking him according to his will. You're just asking about stuff for you. It's all about your kingdom so you can have this and you can have that. You know what I mean? God's not against those things, but our, our, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things he takes care of. But prayers is, is a chance to use that time to get with him and find where he's going. That's an exciting life. Some more blessings, and we'll look at them in a minute here. We've got to keep going. Um, he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And listen, his, his, his will's always being done on, in heaven. Nobody possesses heaven. His will is done in heaven. Every day his will is done in heaven. He rules heaven. Heaven is God's. Now this world has been given uh, here to, in, in a sense to us to give, make choices of what we will do on this planet. 
So there's a will that is ours that is coming into pa- uh, to, uh, to place here. And what we're going to say is, listen, God, whatever your will is from heaven, your desires from heaven, we want that to be here on earth. That needs to be the will on our will here on earth. They have to link up together. And, and when we do that, then now we're speaking from what God has in heaven, his will, and then we're doing his will on earth. And one day his will will be done on earth too. He'll have to grab it with his mighty hand. Now give us this day our daily bread. Notice the first time we've gotten to a petition in this prayer. Haven't asked for anything for ourselves yet, have we? It's all about him. It's all about him. First part of prayer. That's what should be done. Now there's times we have to just drop to our knees and ask the Lord for something. That's okay. But when we're in that private time, he's first. His kingdom, his glory, his greatness, worship, all those things are great. Prepares my heart for when I ask. A lot of times I end up scooting some of the petitions aside. It's like, I already know you will on that, God. But then when I do ask it, I'm asking it more with a heart of humility and going, God, I want whatever you want for me in this, and I trust you in it because you're going to give me the daily bread, and I trust you for it. Now it's a faith thing. I know who I'm talking to. I know what your ability is. God, I'm trusting you for the daily bread. You'll bring it. I'm trusting you to bring it today because I know you're the God who supplies my every need. Manna from the wilderness, he can bring it, can't he? He can divide the bread and, uh, and to the multitudes. He can provide anything at any time, anywhere. God's not short on that. But we do need to, to trust him first, and he'll provide that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, great reminder that Jesus and the cross is what brought us into this relationship. Now, here's what I think is a, 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 a wonderful thing to remember, the way that the, the Lord gave this to us. He, he connects two things together. He says, and forgive us our debts, next breath, as we forgive our debtors or those who have sinned against us. I like them right there beside each other. It's probably the most effective place for them to be when we pray. Because, you know, I don't have a problem Asking him to forgive me of my sin. It's easy for me. I can repent of it. I'm trusting he is gracious and kind and loving. And he's going to forgive me. And when I leave that time of prayer, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm freshly in relationship with him. And we're moving on. But when I'm receiving that grace in the middle of that prayer... And I'm calling out for what the sacrifice of his son has done and brought me this freedom for forgiveness of sin. That's a perfect time to bring that person into a sin against me because I'm going to be gracious to them, aren't I? Hey, you know, that guy who sinned against me, Lord, I, boy, I tell you, um, I know I want your grace. I, 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 the least I could do is extend that same grace to him and forgive him for what's being done. Lord, give me a gracious heart and a heart with him to forgive that sin. Just as if, just like you forgive me, Father, I can't forgive his literal sin. He has to go to God for that. But I can forgive the sin that he's done against me. And I can say, listen, I'm not going to remember that against you again. That guy, I just crossed that off in prayer. So when I meet that guy a little later in the day, forgiven. I see his face, forgiven. Nothing between us. It's beautiful, isn't it? Restored relationships. Sometimes it's you and your wife. You gotta, I've got to forgive her, God. <laughs> and then, uh, but you just ask for forgiveness for all that you've done in that relationship. So it's a great uh, equalizer, isn't it? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, by the way, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, That's the tenderness that we get through prayer. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, reminds me of Jesus in the wilderness. And, um, you know, Jesus has the perfect answer to Satan every time. And part of it is, trying to explain that last week, don't know if it came through, but it's going to come out of relationship. Jesus wasn't about to betray his father. There is no way he was going to betray his father. It's insulting for someone to even ask him to betray the father. I and the father are one. I am his. I'm, I'm on a journey for him. We're going to this place. This is a done deal. It's, it's a lot less for us. To, it's easier for us to fight temptation when we know who we are. We know our relationship with God and we love him. Because the, the attack of the enemy is for what? 
He wants to remove us from relationship. He wants to cut our access to God. He wants to get in the middle of that. He wants us to turn, rebel, move away. That's what sin does. That's what temptation does. It's not just physical. It's, it's supremely spiritual. It's about your relationship with God. If he knows he can separate you from God, you have no power. And he just destroys you. And so if, this is what prayer does when we meet the Lord in prayer. The, the beautiful thing about it is, does he know the temptation that's coming for the day? He knows it. He knows where Satan's going to meet us. Three o'clock, this is going to happen. This person's coming in here. Boom, you're hit with it. What does prayer do? Prepares me. Prepare me, Lord. Lead me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Lord, I know I've got an enemy. I know he's out to get me today. Before I leave this prayer time, Lord, I, I want to be reminded that it's me and you together today. We're walking hand in hand. Anything that comes in the middle of that, it has to move aside. And the Spirit of God is on us, right? And we leave and we've had this great time in prayer and then boom, that thing comes. And you just spot it, don't you? That's of the devil. Man, that's of the devil. What are the chances that would happen to me? You know, here, Satan is setting that one up. And we just recognize him. You know, God, I rebuke that, man. I'm not going that way. I'm in love with you. And, uh, and that relationship is supreme. And, and then we have the power to stand against that temptation. Well, uh, what a blessing prayer is, isn't it? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It makes a great song, doesn't it? Conclude it. Our Father which art in heaven. You guys, some of you go way back with that song. It's Calvary Chapel, so some of you probably don't know what in the world I just said. It's a long one. It's a good one. And then, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's about as high as you could ever get. Everyone's crescendo. Oh, man. And you finish the song and you go out. And Dave, can we do that today? We can't. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I don't want to flatten any tires here, but um, actually, that's, I don't know that that's in the text. Um, you know, it was included by the King James there, but not very many manuscripts have that conclusion there. It's beautiful, it's, it's, it's correct, it's right before God, but it was just like getting caught up in the middle of this prayer and then adding this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So a lot of the uh, translations don't, don't put that in there um, because, again, manuscript evidence, just, just only a few that actually have that, that in there. And, um, but it sure is a beautiful way to conclude uh, your prayer time, isn't it? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's a great way to go out of prayer. So what a privilege a prayer is today. It's a privilege, isn't it? And you think about this, what a great opportunity that awaits us each day in prayer. Every day, every moment of the day, we have an opportunity to slip away, get out of this world, and meet with the living God who made us and rules everything. We just can have fellowship with him, talk with him. He can speak to us and guide us and lead us and empower us and just, you know, all the things that only God has. And we get to have that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the Christ, Christ Jesus. There's no other way to get to God but through Jesus. You cannot pray with any effectiveness without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to let him forgive your sins, remove the barrier to a relationship with God, and that's what Jesus came to do. It's, it's really simple, isn't it? It was a spiritual work that he was doing. He wanted all the world to come back into relationship with God, be able to talk and fellowship and walk just like he did in the garden in the cool of the day, right? They walked with the Lord. That's what God wants. Now it's been afforded us. Do we use it? Think about the billions and billions um, of people that are seeking gods that aren't there. It's empty. They're just grabbing at straws. God, if you're there, God. And we have access to the true and living God and we don't even use I don't even use it. It's like a byproduct. 
It's the greatest struggle in our life, isn't it? Because it's the central uh, part of our relationship with God. Through his word and through prayer, we commune with him. But we neglect it. And we wonder why we're weak and we're emaciated all the time. We don't know what the will of God is. And we don't have strength for things to stand. And God's saying, come to me, seek me, walk with me, draw close to me. I, I want to be with you. Can you imagine he even cares that we're there? More than that, he, he, he loves it. It's like a father who says that when his son comes, says, Dad, I just want to talk to you for a little bit. And come in, son, let's talk. And the Lord's calling us today. So we have to ask ourselves this thing, do, do I need to maybe set a little time for that? And I told you I'm not going to play a guilt trip on you, but um, I want as we go out and we close here in prayer, I want you to be thinking to say, God, um, maybe I need to map out, make some plans, uh, take a little more time with you. Um, I'm weak and I'm just going on my own strength and there's no spiritual life and power because I haven't been communing with you taking my advantages to, uh, that you've been giving me this way. And uh, we have to set that time. Maybe set a physical place and then set a physical time. I know I've been working on that for a while now in my life. And it is a battle that is always trying uh, to be uh, robbed by the enemy. And I lose focus of how powerful and great my relationship with God is and the opportunity to be with him and have to be reminded of that, and have to actually carve that out. Can there be anything more important to the day than that first connection with the one who runs everything before I head out the door? Nothing. How many times we scoot out without having this relationship and fellowship? Um, may the Lord just work on us and continue to have us fall in love with him and desire this relationship with him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that right now as we speak, we have faith and confidence that you're hearing us. You know every one of us here today. And Lord, I know that there's a good possibility that there's somebody here who's maybe seeking you, wanting to connect with you, maybe been praying, but haven't come to your son yet passed through, Lord, the, the way to you and, and made Jesus the Lord of their life and accepted his forgiveness and his cleansing sacrifice on the cross. I pray if they're here today that they would say, you know, God, I want a relationship with you. I do want to know you. I want to know the purpose of my life and I want to know what you have for me and your will and your desire. I want to come into a loving relationship with you, God, and I want to turn my life to you. I pray today, Lord, they would turn to Jesus, your son. And today would be the day that they call out to you and make your son their Lord and their Savior. And then just enjoy, Lord, the rest of a lifetime in, in pers a personal relationship with you as their father in heaven. And uh, Lord, I pray you would do that. For the rest of us, Lord, I ignite our hearts again. It's beautiful to be with you, Lord. We're so thankful for all that you are to us. And we just want to say thank you for all of these opportunities we have to meet with you and all of the ways, Lord, that prayer is so full and rich, Lord, in our lives. And we want uh, to commune and fellowship with you, Lord. So would you just teach us, Lord, and guide us and lead us into the practice of prayer. That's what we got to do. We got to actually bow the knee and, and just let you... Uh, speak to us and call out to you and, and draw from you. And we thank you for that opportunity. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.